Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. I was uh, on the school soccer team in middle school, which, which may not sound like much to you, but it was a big deal to me and uh, also to my friends. It was really fun. And, and by the end of that season, I was in the best shape of my life and, and probably like the best shape as it would turn out that I would ever be in in my life. And the reason for that was that every afternoon after school, Coach Hunter would make us run. And he would make us run and run and run and do sit-ups and push-ups and all kinds of things that my 13-year-old self did not want to do. He uh, trained us. He had us do things that we didn't want to do so that we could be the kind of team that we wanted to be. And it worked. We went undefeated that year in seventh grade, the greatest athletic achievement of my life, at least so far. He shaped and molded us into athletes. Now, we asked this question with this new series, Soul Renovation, last week, and and I want to ask it again. What are the things that are shaping you into the person that you are becoming? Uh, Another way to put it is, what is shaping your soul? Now, that might not be a question that you woke up thinking about today. It definitely doesn't seem like a very practical question, does it? Something that affects your your, your daily life. The question you, you woke up with today is far more likely to be something you know, like, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Or what do I have to do today? Did I finish all my, my homework that's due? Did I study enough for that test? What time do I need to get to work so I won't be late? How, how am I going to get that deal done? Or which patients do I have to see today? Or what, what's on my schedule for the morning? Those are the questions that you probably woke up thinking about. Not... What is going to shape my soul today? That seems very like spiritual. It seems like something a super Christian would ask, like maybe like a monk or a nun would think about those kinds of things. But, but like not me, right? It doesn't seem very practical. But the truth is, and this is why we're doing this series, nothing could be more practical than this. Because your soul determines your, your character. And your character is who you are in this world. What's going on in your soul determines the kind of person that you're going to be. And that that makes sense, right? And so here's the thing. Your your soul is not this untouchable, super mysterious place in in your life. It's able to be accessed and shaped and it's able to be formed. Your your soul can be molded. I, I shared this quote from Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart, last week. But let me share it again with you. He said this. He says it like this. It's kind of an extreme statement. But he says, terrorists as well as saints are the outcome of spiritual formation. Their spirits or hearts have been formed. Period. That's what Dallas Willard says. It's not just the super Christians whose souls have been shaped into something. It's everyone. It's you. It's me. And yes, it's also a terrorist or a racist or a self-centered person. You You don't get to those places naturally or automatically. You are formed by the people you're around, uh, the environment that you're in, and the, the things that are coming in to your life, like the, the inputs, is similar to athletic training. So, some of you think that you uh, can dance, like you really do, but I've seen some of you dance, and, and most of you really can't. 
But if you want to be a trained dancer, like a ballerina, for instance, well, that takes years and years of practice, doesn't it? You need lessons. You need hours in the studio. You need correction. You need technique. You need strength and coaching and practice, and, and you need competition. And when you take all of those things in, if that's the world you put yourself in, it, it, it shapes you, doesn't it? It molds you into a trained dancer, say. Any sport is the same. When you want to be good at something, it doesn't simply happen. Like, like, like some of y'all get mad, some of us get mad when we pick up a golf club at Top Golf and you can't suddenly hit it 300 yards. It doesn't matter that you've never swung a golf club in your life. You can't hit it well unless, unless you want to and, and you have the right things forming you, like, like training you to hold the golf club correctly, like learning to swing the right way, like hitting a lot of golf balls really badly at first. It's not that different with our hearts, with our souls, which, which ends up being our character. You're formed by the things in your life that coach you, that train you. And if, and if I can use a Christian word for a minute here, these are the things in your life that disciple you. You, you may be aware of these things, you may not be, but you are being discipled by, by all kinds of things in your life, by, by people. And this isn't rocket science here. The, the people you spend the most time with are the people that you will become the most like. Most things are caught, not taught. And that's why Jesus himself not only taught his disciples with, with his words, he spent a lot of time with them because he wanted his life to rub off on them. The people around you, they rub off on you. You're becoming like them for better and for worse. It's, it's worth paying attention to all the inputs in your life. When I was in sixth grade and I realized this story is gonna, uh, it's gonna date me, we had these Apple computers in our school that we had just gotten and, and I don't know if like this is true or not, but, but it seems like that was about the time that in the 80s, right, these personal computers as we called them at that time, which are so new and crazy, they became pretty normal and, and friends of mine began to slowly get them in their homes, but our school got them first and I remember learning that we could write little computer programs and we could give the computer an input and if we did it right, it would produce something like the answer to a math equation or like uh, create a game of Pong, which was a very high-tech game played with two lines and a dot, okay? That's what Pong was. While we are infinitely more complex than computers, we do have inputs in our life. What, what are they in your life? Well, people you're around, music you listen to, movies you watch, books that you read, information that you take in, which could be true, it could be false. All of those things impact you. you. You may think that they don't, but a lot of studies would show that they really, really do. Your soul is being shaped. You get to determine what shapes it. Now, there are some things in your environment you can't avoid. Things you didn't make choices uh, about, like, like what house you grew up in or, or, or who your brothers and sisters are, or what school you're going to. Uh, but you can determine, by and large, what you allow to impact you. Dallas Willard, uh, author Dallas Willard says it like this. He says, those with a well-kept heart are persons who are prepared for and capable of responding to the situations of life in ways that are good and right. Uh, or like Proverbs 25 verse 28 says in the Bible, it says this, like a city that is, that is broken into and without walls, so is a person who has no self-control over his spirit. Uh, you have self-control, or, or I like how Willard says, oh, you have a well-kept heart, then you're prepared to respond to any situation in life. You have no self-control, then you're like a city with no walls, the proverb says. 
So Jesus was asked one time what the most important thing in life was. He, and he didn't say, well, yeah, it's like being really good at your job or, or like getting straight A's or ma making sure you make a comfortable living. He dug deeper. And here's how that conversation went in the book of Luke. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. That's from Luke chapter 10. And the most important thing in life to Jesus was loving God with all of you, with your whole self. And when you do that, he says, you will find life. So let's talk about what a soul actually is. We've been using that word so much. And to do that, I wanna draw a, a mental picture for you of how the ancient biblical writers viewed this, because I think it's really different than how we tend to want to see ourselves. And there are these layers to us, they said. And here are the layers. First up is our, our will, what's called our will. At the center of us is a, a will. Our will is what allows us to say yes or no to, to things. Out of our will, we create things. Out of our will, we vote. Our will is the, the moral part of us that is accountable ultimately to God. It's also what we talk about when we talk about our heart or our spirit, we're talking about the part of us that makes decisions. You have a kingdom, the kingdom of you, and your kingdom is the range of your will. It's how far your will goes outside of you, the impact of your decisions. Interestingly, God has a will too. So, so when you pray and you hear, or you hear somebody praying, not my will, but thy will be done. That prayer is about the kingdom of the will. I'm praying not for the benefit of my will, my kingdom, but for your will, God, your kingdom. This is why, by the way, church leadership, if you're in a ministry role here at our church or somewhere else, this is why it's hard because you can't lead someone without challenging their kingdom. Our will inevitably crashes into God's will. So the will is the, the, the first thing. The second circle, it's called the mind, the mind. And this is, as, as far as the ancient writers were concerned, where our thoughts and feelings both live, our thoughts and feelings. This is where you experience life. There's a close connection between our thoughts and our feelings, so close that, that you really can't separate them out. Our minds act on what our will wants to do. So that's the next circle. And then the third circle out is the, is the body or what the Bible calls the flesh. This is where the kingdom of, of you begins and it's where your will is able to reign within your body. Mostly our body is governed by habit, by habit. Habit, like the body is the source of our strength. And when our mind learns something like how to drive a car or ride a bike, it tells the body how to do it. And thankfully our bodies just like do it. They don't have to learn over and over and over again. And, and, and we don't have to think about it like we did when we were learning to ride a bike. The body makes that possible. It can be trained. Our body also kind of wants to have a life of its own. And this is where, from a spiritual formation perspective, where we can get ourselves into some trouble. Because the problem is, when sin enters the picture and it mixes together with our habits, which the body develops, and, and habits are powerful things, and so for us to change, our habits have to change, right? I don't know if you've noticed, but habits eat willpower for breakfast. You can try and try and try to get up early and work out, but if your habit is to sleep in, you're most likely going to sleep 
in. Our bodies are filled with all kinds of habits and appetites and desires. And this is where we get to what spiritual growth is. Pastor John Ortberg has said that spiritual growth is forming new habits so we can naturally do what Jesus does. It's forming new habits so, so, so we can like naturally, naturally do what Jesus does, the body. And now the next circle out is the social circle. We can't really exist apart from relationships. I'm, I'm a solitary person, but I am also the son of Charles and Camilla. I'm the brother of Amy and Jamie. I'm the soon-to-be husband of Liz, the father of Bailey and Christopher and Luke. And, and I could list all my friends here too, because they all determine in some way who I am. We can't exist apart from relationships, so there's a social aspect. And then the final outermost circle is the soul, the one that encompasses, uh, encompasses all of these things. It's our soul. The soul encompasses and connects all of those other circles in our lives so that they make up this one life. The soul is kind of like operating in the background, almost like a computer operating system. I'm a, I'm a Mac Apple guy. My laptop is running uh, OS 10, and I really don't notice it unless there's a problem, right? The reason I draw that connection is because our souls can be reprogrammed. That's what spiritual formation is all about. And so if, if we're living lives apart from God, away from God, do you know what tends to dominate in your life? Can you guess? It's the body. The body. Everything is about feeding the body, the flesh, with its different desires and, and, and wants and its, its lusts. Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body, is weak. And in that type of life, where, where the top priority is what our body tells us it wants, Paul in the New Testament calls that the mind set, of the, set on the flesh, which ultimately leads to spiritual death. In a life connected to and under the lordship and leadership of God, though, He's at the top, not the body. He's over all of these things in our lives. And Paul says that that is a mind set on the spirit, which leads to life and peace. So back to that passage. What does Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your, all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied to the man, do this and you will live. So, so how do we do this? How do we love God with all of ourselves, with our, with our souls? That's the process of being a disciple. Putting yourself, your, your soul, in God's hands and in his control. That's the first and most important step to renovating your soul, to experiencing real life change. Because like we said, when you change your soul, you change your character. And when you change your character, you change your life. And that starts by saying, God, you're in charge of this life. I am not. You're in control. I'm not. I want you at the top of my priority list. And all those other things can be secondary. I submit to you. I submit all of me to you. And so if you're wondering how to do that, uh, here are some things to think about. First, it's about training, not trying. It's not about trying harder. It's, it's, it's adopting new spiritual habits that retrain us and connect us with God. Also, it's about failing and accepting God's grace when you do. Let me just say that this is not about you and your own willpower being a disciple. This is about God and his power working in you. And, and you're going to fail. You're going to fall short in this. And so am I. And that is very much okay because God is always there to pick you right back up, to encourage you and to walk beside you. Being a disciple, it's a lifelong process. And then the third thing is this. It's about daily recognizing God as your 
king. Uh, who's your king, really? Like, who is it? What, what is it? Is it you? Is it your bank account? Is it your retirement? Is it a relationship? You don't have two thrones on your heart, okay? There's only one, and God won't share his with anyone or anything else in your life. How do you begin to show him that he is your king? Well, it's by beginning to do some of the things that Jesus did to follow his heavenly father. And we're going to talk about these things over the next couple of weeks. These are ways to form new habits, to connect yourself with God. Things like prayer and opening yourself up to his word and worship and community. Things like spending time alone with God. And I hope you're going to see that these things aren't just tasks to check off of your to-do list. They are new patterns of life to step into, like a current in a river that when you get in, it will push you closer and closer to him, which will lead you to a place of life and peace. Let me just ask you again, what's shaping your soul? Let's put God, okay? Like, let's put God at the top of that list. Let's pray. God, we want to put you at the top of our list right now when it comes to our lives. Uh, There's so many other things that compete uh, for for our attention, what what our will wants, what our minds want, what our bodies uh, uh, want, and uh, what other people around us want. And yet, God, would uh, would you allow us, would you give us the strength and the faith to be able to put you at the top and submit our whole souls, our whole lives to you? so that you can begin to work in us and draw us close to you so that this process of being a disciple can begin and can continue as we draw closer to you and learn how you want us to live. Live through us, God. Help us to get out of the way. And we thank you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.